If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to find the book of Philippians, and we are going to start in chapter 2, all right? And we are calling this morning Vision Sunday, and you'll see why as we get further and further into this, all right? Uh, Over the past six months or so, we have talked a lot about this idea of um, complacency and apathy in our lives, in our spiritual lives, how it sets in, how we kind of just begin to not care anymore, uh, all these different things. And, and this morning, we want to take that a step further. Instead of just talking about how do, how do we as individuals battle apathy and complacency, uh, we want to take it to more of a corporate level. All right, that doesn't mean like business. That means communal. That means all of us together. What does that look like? Because as individuals, we are on this journey We are on this this spiritual walk with God, uh, but we also are called to do this together, to to join together on this, to do mission together, to be doing things, to be loving, to be encouraging, all these things together, all right? And not only does the Bible uh, confront the idea of personal complacency and apathy, uh, but it actually very clearly confronts corporate apathy, communal apathy as a church, all right? Uh, Because... When Christians gather together, it is possible for churches to not be what they are supposed to be. That's absolutely possible. In fact, uh, all within this introduction of this message, I want to show a few quick examples from the Bible. All right, we're going to look at three examples. There are letters that are written to individual churches in the book of Revelation. All right, and honestly, they're more like paragraphs at the beginning of the book of Revelation. All right, and we're going to look through a few of these real quickly. So the first one, uh, you don't even have to turn to it. It'll be on the screen. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. This is all great. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So this is Jesus talking, and he's saying, hey, you guys are doing great. Uh, you're working hard. You're not giving up. You, you've grown, but I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. You've fallen away from the things that you did at first. All right, so repent and get back to that is what he's saying. You're doing great, yet I hold this against you. So when I read this, when I read about this church right here, uh, this is what comes to mind. As a church and as Christians, we must constantly be aware of our tendency to drift. We can be heading in the right direction, but it sure doesn't take much to get us off course. All right, And, And a little bit off course over a long period of time is a pretty major thing. And this can happen. He says, you've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do things you did at first. He's like, you used to be over here. Now you're over here. And I don't even know if you realize that this has happened. Repent and come back to the things you should be doing. All right, the second one says, to the angel of the church in Sardis, write, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. 
But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. I know your deeds. I know you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. And when I read this, like we need to understand this. It's possible for a church to think that they are alive when they are actually dead. It is possible to think that you are alive, but you are dead. All right, so think about this. It's possible for a church to drift so far away from where they should be that they think they are fully alive, that they are doing what they should be doing, but actually they're dead and they're kind of worthless to everybody around them. It's possible to be so deceived, so complacent, so missing it, that we're dead. All right, the third one. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. He says, hey, water's great when it's hot or it's cold. It's got a lot of uses. There's not a lot of use for lukewarm water. All right, almost no pur purpose. He says, that's where you are. There's no purpose. You're, you're complacent, you're apathetic, and I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And actually, the word translated as spit here in our English, the Greek word emeo, all right, spit is not probably the best translation. I'm going to give you the definition to emeo, and you tell me if you can think of something else. Emeo, to eject the contents of one's stomach through the mouth. All right, that's not quite spit. That's something else. Like, this church's complacency and apathy makes Jesus want to vomit. That, that is a strong picture. That is an incredibly strong picture of what is going on here. All right? And in this situation, uh, what it is that sort of caused these people to become so apathetic? Well, it was their wealth. He said, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. All right, this is showing us the dangers uh, that can come with wealth or having really nice things or even success by the world's standards. All right? A complacency that actually causes Jesus to want to vomit. This humbles me. Like, this, this makes me want to focus more and more on him. All right, saying, God, we desperately, we need you. We need to hear from you. And we need to hear from you often. And if we've drifted, make that clear to us. And if we're dead, let us know that. Wake us up. Like, you have the green light to do that. No matter what it looks like to wake us up, do that. So this morning is about our church family coming together and saying that we want to move towards what God has for us, not being okay with the status quo. All right? And all of that was an introduction. All right, so let's do this. Let's stand together uh, as we get ready to read our passage out of Philippians uh, and then pray. So Philippians chapter 2, starting right at the beginning. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, 
having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Jesus, we just pray this morning, God, that this would be a time uh, that would absolutely just shake us and just refocus. God, that we would draw nearer to you and that, God, this time would just energize us. It would give us the passion like Sam and Tisana, to be able to say, and what we're going to do is highly illegal, but we just have a massive smile on our face because we're so excited to be doing what you have called us to do. God, that, that's what I pray for this morning. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. All right, for, for most of the world's history, uh, when there were wars that were fought, most of them were done uh, with like face-to-face, hand-to-hand combat. All right, it's really kind of a new thing that that's not what it is. And with our country being younger compared to most, uh, we don't have a ton of this in our history. What I want you to do for the next few moments is think of uh, Civil War, Revolutionary War. Okay, can you guys kind of think of that? Transport back to history class. All right, maybe when you got an F or you got an A or I don't know. This, this might be like damaging to you. Be like, no, don't send me back to history class. All right, uh, the idea of a flag bearer was an important military position. A flag bearer was a person who was responsible for carrying the flag for their army. All right, the flag would be held right next to the general or commanding officer, and at this time, typically the general would have led the army into battle, which meant that the flag carried by the flag bearer would be on the front lines of the battle. All right? Um, in, in fact, like this is, this is the type of job that you would not want your husband or your son to have, okay? Because when, when you read about this, the life expectancy of a flag bearer was not years or months or weeks or days or even hours. It was minutes. It was minutes, all right? And, and this, is, this is crazy. You're, you're the guy standing on the front line without a weapon, and you basically have a big bullseye on your chest, All right, and if the flag bearer went down, the person next to them would take it from them and hold onto it proudly and move forward. And for us today, I think it's hard to imagine this. Like, why would you volunteer to do that? It's absolute suicide from the start. Uh, But it was an honor thing, and and centuries went by with flag bearers and flags being part of of big, famous battles. Um, and, And when I first read about this, I was assuming that the flag was just kind of a a pride in my army, my country, and we flew that proudly no matter what the cost was. And there's some truth to that, but it actually served a military purpose as well. All right, first, it said to the army, we are still a go. We're still moving forward. We are still here. We're still fighting. Keep going. All right, the soldiers would see the flag, and it was a motivational thing. It'd be like, all right, yep, there's the flag. We're still moving forward. This is, this is what we should be doing. This is important. This is still happening. All right. The second thing was the flag also served as a rallying point at different times during battles. All right. If you were lost, you found your way back to the flag. If you were confused, you found your way back to the flag. At different points, different situations, the army would gather back at the flag. They would rally. They would unify. And in that moment, in that place, they would go. All right, if you've seen the movie The Patriot, all right, you can see this scene where all of a sudden their, their lines are breaking and the flag bearer is running back in retreat. And everyone is just going nuts. And in this moment, Mel Gibson's character basically takes the flag from him and is like, no way, and starts running forward with it and drops his shoulder and just like flips the guy. I don't know how realistic this is. But he runs forward 
And he's waving that flag and everyone turns and sees it and they have this hope in this moment and they're like, we're still on, we're moving forward. It's this crazy thing. And everyone rallies around him and they take off. Right, like that's, that's what this was. Think rallying, unifying together when you think of the flag bearer in a situation like this. Now a few moments ago, we read a verse from the book called Philippians. Philippians is a letter written by Paul. Uh, maybe you've heard the phrase Apostle Paul before. The word apostle just means sent. And Paul got that title because of the nature of what God called him to do. He was to travel around the Roman Empire telling people about Jesus who had never heard about Jesus. All right, and he was to start new churches focused on Jesus in places where there had never been a church like that. Well, eventually Paul gets thrown into prison. This happens a few times. Uh, and from prison, he's able to sit down and write some letters to these churches that he was part of helping start. All right? Uh, and we have 13 of Paul's letters in the Bible. One of these is called Philippians. It's called that because it's written to the church in Philippi. All right, so this is the letter to Philippians. And he starts with the letter with this. He's like, uh, I miss you. You guys are awesome. I'm so proud of you. I pray for you. And he tells them he's in prison, but things are okay. And he's excited because the gospel message is moving forward. Right? There's that attitude again. And then he begins to transition. And this goes into chapter 2, chapters and verses or something added way later. Uh, but at this transition point that we looked at a few minutes ago, it says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, he's saying, in your individual relationship with Jesus, if you are encouraged in that, all right, if you find encouragement there, make my joy complete by taking the next step. Come together in unity. Move forward in unity. And he says this, being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Like-minded, same love, one in spirit, one mind. All right, this is four things, but they're really just the same thing, four different ways. What's he saying? He's saying you should be unified together, not going separate ways, doing separate things. An in, in overflow of our individual salvation should be this corporate, communal, together, unified thing. Sure, you have your relationship with God, and that's personal, but if you have any comfort in that, that you feel from that, from being united with Christ, then you know what you need to do. You need to all come together, like-minded, same love, one in spirit and of one mind. This is the purpose of a church. This is why we join a church. This is what a church does. It's individuals coming together, moving forward together. And for Paul, he understood that our individual relationships with God was part of a bigger picture. And the bigger picture is to build this kingdom of God everywhere. All right, so, so listen, this is us grabbing the flag and planting it. This is our rallying cry as a church. We're putting our flag down and saying, come on, let's gather, let's unite, let's rally, let's build the kingdom of God. That is what our unifying rallying cry is, building the kingdom of God. And I want to share with you this morning three specific ways that we feel in our church that we are going to accomplish this and we are going to move forward. All right, and these are big things, uh, things that are kind of scary at times, but this is what we feel God is calling us to do. I right, remember all of this is in the context of building the kingdom of God, furthering the kingdom of God. 
We are called to be kingdom builders. We use the language of kingdom because that is the language that Jesus used. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God nonstop. It was his focus, and his followers are supposed to build it. All right, so three things that we have with this, and this is going to be a 30,000-foot view of it because the next two weeks are going to be us diving into these at a, at a greater depth and understanding them, okay? So the first thing is this. We are calling it Kingdom Builders Giving. And this is massive for us. I've become more and more convinced that one of, if not the biggest impact we can have on the kingdom of God in our part of the world, right here, is through strategic, purposeful, focused giving to build the kingdom of God. And we've put together an extensive plan that I am excited to share next week with us. Uh, and this is not giving money to our church necessarily like general fund. This is something completely different from that. All right, the easiest way to explain this really quickly would be something like missions giving. But it is so much more than that as we're going to see next week. All right, so the first part of our unifying rallying togetherness is prioritizing financial giving to build the kingdom of God. And by the way, side note, uh, I believe this is one of the biggest ways to battle spiritual apathy in our life. Prioritizing God's kingdom in our finances. All right, but we are going to unpack that way more next week. Uh, but, but here's the specific part of the goal. We are praying that in the next few years that this church family, us in Long Prairie, in Sock Center, that as a church family, we would give over 500000 in one year. Not building on each year. In one year, over half a million dollars to build the kingdom of God. This is not to keep the lights on in the church or anything like that. This, this is to strategically, purposefully move the kingdom of God forward. All right. The second point that we are rallying together around is this. It is planting and revitalizing churches around us. And in two weeks, we're going to talk more about this in detail. But God gave us a dream uh, of how to build the, the kingdom of God in central Minnesota. And it's by planting churches, revitalizing, helping existing churches. All right, and we've started that right here in Long Prairie. Some of you guys are very aware of this process. Some of you guys are newer in the last two years that we've started this process. Uh, this is what is happening here. Um, and this is not about trying to uh, just have more numbers and grow in that way. This is about, honestly, glorifying God, making him known in central Minnesota. And we believe that this is how God is leading us to do that. All right, so our specific goal, we are praying that we have five locations of River of Life Church within the next five years. Either through planting churches where there isn't one or revitalizing churches around us that are having a hard time. All right, number three, and we're starting to see this in our church already over the past two years would be this, send ministry people out. And again, we're going to talk about this in greater depth in two weeks. But what we mean by this is we believe that sitting in this room right now, there are pastors and missionaries and youth pastors and all sorts of different people that have this call on their life. And we have started to see this in our church. You may not know them, but there is a couple in the Sox Center Church, Al and Jolene. And they were a big part of that church for a long time. Uh, really, they started their walk with God there. And they became part of the church. They were in life groups. They began to lead life groups. They were ministry leaders. Uh, they were baptized there. They now are pastors in Freeport at Harvest Church. All right? And it's amazing to see that. We celebrate that. 
It is hard to see people go, but that is what we are called to do as a church. All right, it's about building the kingdom of God. The church's job is to equip the saints and send them out for ministry. Too many churches equip the saints to stay right where they are. It makes no sense. That's not what we are called to do. All right, so it's about sending people out. And we have former staff, former youth pastors in Sox Center. They're going to do missions on the other side of the world. All right, and we can't, again, talk about it a whole lot for their safety because of where they're going. And we are so excited for them. We have people in our church right now that are studying to be credentialed so they can move into ministry. And here's what we're believing for, that there will be 50 people from our church family sent out over the next five years. And those are the three things that we are rallying around. This is our flag that we are saying right here, this is where we are coming in, this is where we are moving forward. And here's the thing, this is, this is crazy. Like as we talk about this, we're like, how could this happen? How could, how could some of these things happen? But the reality is there are other things that need to happen first. All right, things like we need to grow numerically if we want to get to where God is asking us to go. All right, and, and this makes sense to me. Like, instead of just saying, we're going to grow numerically because we want more people walking through the doors, we want to say we have more people attending church, we want to grow numerically because we want people to find Jesus. But we also want to activate people to actually go and do what God is calling us to do. And to accomplish things that we feel like God is calling us to do, we can't give 500000 in one year. If we could, we would have done it. We can't have five locations. We can't send out 50 people right now. If we could, we would have done it. We need to change certain things. We need to grow numerically. We need to have increased prayer focus individually and corporately. All right, that means Sunday morning, like our corporate prayer times, Sunday night, our corporate prayer times. Like we need to be more involved in this. In our personal lives, we need to be praying more. We need to be spending more time uh, going after God. We need to have increased personal sacrifices, greater involvement in ministry and in our church family. We need personal depth and spiritual growth. We need to go deeper, know God more, seek him more. Like all of these things, this is what it takes to do this. And I want to kind of wrap this up. I want to bring this all together for us. All right, we're talking about the together part of our spiritual journey. And we have an opportunity to do something significant together to build the kingdom of God. But we help the whole move forward when we as individuals move forward, right? Like this church doesn't move forward because three or four or ten families get excited. This church moves forward because we as individuals, we all begin to move forward, all right? And, and I want to talk about what does this mean for us individually then? Uh, and, and this part, this, this illustration I want to have for us, none of this is original to me, all right? People way smarter, all right, this is from Purpose Driven Church, pa Pastor Rick Warren, if you've ever heard of him. Like, all right, and I, I want us to look at this. You can go ahead and put that target kind of looking graph on the screen behind me. All right, and I'm going to walk through like four levels to try and, and I want you to determine where do you fit in this. And real quickly, understand this, all right? None of this is meant to be offensive. None of this is meant to be judgmental in any way, all right? This is for us as individuals to be honest and to reflect on, okay? So I, I almost want to make everyone like put up their right hand and be like, I promise to not be offended over the next little bit as you potentially call me out, okay? All right, I'm just going to pretend like you all did that with me. 
All right, so this, this is not meant to be offensive, all right? So the outside group that we see here uh, is called the crowd, all right? And the crowd is the least involved in the church, least committed group in our church family. If you're part of the crowd, then if someone asks you uh, what church you go to, you absolutely would consider this your church. But your attendance is shaky, your commitment is low. When you come to church, you don't really serve, you're not really involved, you don't really give. All right, and there's a lot of people in our church family that this is where you're at, okay? And we don't fault you for that, all right? Don't feel guilty for that. But let's just be real about the situation that we are in and where we are, okay? The second group would be called the congregation. And just to save time, this is very similar to the crowd, except you have a different level of ownership, all right? You might wake up and look at your spouse and say, do you want to go to church today? All right, if it was a long week, there's a good chance you're not going to go. All right, you have a little bit more buy-in than somebody in the crowd, all right, but your church attendance is still a bit shaky at times. Uh, maybe you're busy during certain seasons. You have good seasons where you're there all the time, seasons where you kind of disappear, all right? Um, and, and you might even be serving on a ministry team, but maybe the main time that you attend church is your Sunday to serve, right? And, and so I just, I, I want us to be realistic about where you are, all right? And you, you may kind of think, oh, I don't know, do I want to go to church? Church is still kind of an option in your life. The third group we call the committed. This is you. Coming to church is a bit more of a priority. The idea of only coming once or twice a month for you just doesn't cut it. Uh, if you're in town, no matter what, you go to church. You don't, you don't get up on a, a Sunday and ask your spouse, should we go to church today? That question's not on your radar. You go to church, it's what you do. Again, remember, this crowd is about our church. You're saying you're talking about church a lot. This is not about necessarily our Christian walk. This is about being part of a church. All right? Um, you also serve. You're part of things. You prioritize church things over other things in your life. You sign up for a life group pretty much every time they come around. You might be leading a life group. All right? Always, no matter what the season, like that's part of you. You give financially, not just the 5 or $20 when you're at church, but it's a priority to you. A committed person is here like... Three out of four Sundays a month. All right, like this, this is what the committed. And finally, we have the core. And there are some in our church family who just never miss a Sunday. Or it's like 50 out of 52 Sundays, like you are here. All right, you serve in all sorts of ways, multiple places. You come early for prayer. And the church is a whole family event for you. Your whole family is there uh, because it's just who you are. And the core gives on a completely different level, all right? Like 80% of the church is funded by 20% of the people. Like you hear things like that. And it's not the richest in the church that are funding that. It's the core. They prioritize church and everything. Their closest friends are at church. They gather together and pray with people from church. And for the core, a week like this, as we're talking about vision, people that are in the core are incredibly excited about this. They're like, yes, let's do this. Let's move forward. Let's pull everybody in. Let's begin to do this. All right, and, and they just are so excited about this. Allison's excited about this. She's part of the core. Where are you on this list? Like, I, I just, I, I want us to be real, and we, we do moments like this where we just say, like, okay, let's not, let's move our feelings aside. Let's not be, uh, feel guilty. Let's not be like, oh, you know, Pastor Josiah is just trying to call me out and yell at me because I missed a week. You know, that's not what this is. This is about us looking at this and saying, where do I fall in this? And the reason why I want you to do that is because of this. 
we're going to ask you, what would it look like for you to take and move in one closer? All right, like wherever you are in this, what does it look like to move one closer from the crowd to the congregation, from the congregation to the committed, from the committed to the core, from the core to the core, I don't know. All right, like what does that look like? Because here's where I'm at, all right, and don't miss this. This is important. We're never going to be a church family where everybody is the core. We shouldn't be. If your entire church is the core, you are an unhealthy church. And the reason why is because we always must be reaching outside of our walls. All the time, there should be new people walking through the doors. And as people come in and as people find Christ, there is a process that happens in this. There is a process. And I hope we always have a crowd here at our church and a congregation at our church and committed in court. Like we need all of this. All right? That's how this works. But if you've been in the crowd for a decade, there's a problem. There's a problem. So what does it look like for you to move forward as an individual? Knowing that as we individually move forward, we actually set the stage for our church to be more effective at building the kingdom of God in our city and in our world. The very first sermon series that, that I preached here at this church when we came a little over two years ago was called The Main Thing. And I stood up here and I said, my promise to you is this, that we will always keep the main thing the main thing. That every decision we make, you may not like that decision, you may disagree with it, you may think, I don't like whatever is happening. You can come and talk to me, but my promise is that we're making those decisions because we are trying to keep the main thing the main thing. Does that mean we're always going to get it right? No. And I welcome people to challenge that when that happens. But we're going to keep the main thing the main thing. Can we stand this morning as we close? Some of you maybe walked in today and you're like, I thought I was just going to church. And all of a sudden, there's people up on the stage and they're talking about going halfway around the world. They're, they, they're with a smile on their face, they're saying, and what we're doing is highly illegal. And you know what? You can do this too. In fact, we're going to ask if you would pray about being part of our team of going and doing this. You're like, well, no, that's not why I came to church today. I thought I was just going to church. Then we start talking, and the whole thing is this idea of moving further, of, of giving more, of, of expanding, of being more involved, of sending people out. These things that honestly, like, they're crazy in and of ourselves. But I, I, I don't want to ever be somebody that just wakes up and goes to church. Like, when, we, when you're part of this church, it is so much bigger than right now, Sunday morning. It is so much bigger than just, ah, a couple times a month I'm going to go and show up there and it's kind of a social club. Like, we don't ever want that to be what we are. Because there are people that are dying and going to hell. And we are called to do something about it. We're called to do something about it here, locally, central Minnesota, 
in our country and in our world. We don't get to pick one of those. It's all of these. And we're not going to be stagnant. We're not going to settle for the status quo. We're not going to be okay with just moving along. As just floating through life. I want to wake up every day with a purpose. I want to be part of something bigger than myself. I want to know that there's a reason why I woke up this morning. And if there's breath in my lungs, then I'm not done. I still got stuff to do. And it's not stuff for me. It's not building my kingdom right here in Long Prairie. It's about God's kingdom. So I want us just to take a moment. In the next two weeks, we are going to go in depth on these. And I'm excited. I really think as you, as you begin to hear some of the details in this, you'll know that this wasn't just like craziness of like throwing out big things. All right, like we, we have a plan. We're going to work the plan. We're going to move forward, but it's going to take faith. So for us, you know, this whole fall, we talked about getting unstuck. The things in our life that cause us to be stuck. We need to get unstuck so that we're ready for this. That's what this entire fall, that whole series was about. Ready to move forward. And I pray that this week, if you were fasting, that God began to just move in a new way in your life. I was talking with someone this morning and during our pre-service prayer, we just said, it felt different in here. It was different. It wasn't a normal Sunday of prayer. And, it, and it's from this idea of all week long, we've been trying to focus in and say, God, we want to hear your voice. God, we want to respond to you. Fasting isn't twisting God's arm to get him to do what we want. It's God showing up in this amazing way and out of response, we just say, wow. God, I'm going to interrupt my life the same way you interrupted it. Because I want to hear more from you. So this morning, what does it look like for you specifically? Not the person next to you, you. To move a step closer. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would just begin to stir our hearts, stir our spirits. God, that we would see this flag being waved, being planted for your kingdom, and it would be a rallying cry for us. God, we would see that, and we would just draw in closer to it. We'd say we want to be part of moving the kingdom forward. How many of us in the room this morning you would say that as we're going through this, that you know that there is a step for you to take. All right, maybe you don't even know what that step looks like yet, but how many of you guys would say, yes, I have a step to take? Yeah. Absolutely. 
We have people in this church that God has given you passions, he has given you giftings, and right now they just aren't being used. And I think even in a busy season in life, like we need to step back and say, God, what is it? I know I can move closer. I know I can take a step closer. And maybe this morning, and you're not gonna hear pastors do this often, but maybe this morning, you have just realized this might not be the church for me. (laughs) If that's a realization you came to this morning, understand this, this is completely okay. That's an okay realization. All right? We are the kingdom of God by having all these churches. And not every church looks the same. Not every church does things the same. And if you realize this morning, uh, this might not be the church for me, I would love to get together with you. I would love to pray with you. Pray just blessing on your life. Maybe give some ideas of other churches that might be a good fit for you. And honestly, send you out in a, in a happy, joyful way for both of us. Like, that's okay. I don't, that, that doesn't hurt me. This church isn't going to be for everybody. Because this church isn't going to just sit around and twiddle our thumbs. And I'm not saying that if this isn't the church for you, that that's you. I'm just saying, like, there are times to realize, you know what, maybe that rallying cry isn't where I'm going. All right? And that's fine. It honestly is fine. But for those of us that say, yes, I'm in, then let's start moving. Let's start doing this. Let's not waste our time or God's time. As we close, if you're here this morning and you, you're feeling that you want to make a decision beyond just like, you might be here and saying, you know what? I don't even know if, I, if, if I'm following God. This is a new thing for me. Someone dragged me to church today and I got no clue what's going on. But maybe you began to feel stirred this morning and you're saying there there might be more to this than just my own life, building my own kingdom. And I want to be part of that. I want to give you an opportunity. We're not going to call you out or make you you come forward or anything like that. Just even with eyes closed in this room, I want to give an opportunity for you to make more of a declaration between you and God right now saying, God, I'm done living my life for myself and I want to live my life for you. I want to hand my life over to you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And I want to move in that direction. If that's you this morning, maybe you've never made this decision before, I want to give you an opportunity just to slip a hand up. We always want to give these opportunities. Yep. And I want us to do this. Can you just where you are. I'm going to pray and I want us just to join together in unity as as we just pray this over our week. Can we do that? God, I pray right now that this moment, God, that this moment would be one of those benchmark moments that we look back and we can point to and say, that's where it is. I was presented with an opportunity to do something bigger than myself, to have a purpose bigger than me. And God, I went for it. 
And since then, my life has not been the same. God, I pray, Lord, that in our own way, that this morning would be that for all of us. Whether it's just taking one more step, being drawn in more, or completely waking us up because we thought we were alive, but we were dead. Maybe we've began to drift and we need to be brought back on target. And God, we pray that this week that you'd continue to speak to us, Jesus, not just this morning. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen.